Hello and welcome to Explain It, brought to you by SoftCat. Explain It is a show for IT professionals that aims to simplify the complex and often overcomplicated bits of enterprise IT without compromising on detail. I'm host Michael Bird, and over the next 20 or so minutes, I'll be challenging our panel of experts to take a different area of the IT ecosystem and, of course, explain it. This week, we're going to be looking at hyper-converged infrastructure, cutting through the marketing to explore what it is, how it works, and the benefits it can provide to an organization. With me to help discuss, demystify, and explain are Sam Routledge, SoftCats CTO, Tim Jeans, SoftCats Data Center and Cloud Practice Manager, and Paul Petty, Langer Rourke's Infrastructure Team Leader. So Sam, what exactly is hyperconversion infrastructure? Is it the evolution of infrastructure? Evolution is an interesting word, and, and I think there's an element of that. Um, if you look at it, we've kind of had three phases of development of infrastructure in the, the I suppose, the post-mainframe era, if you will. So the, the, the first was, you know, you'd buy a load of servers, you'd buy a, net, a, a network, you'd buy a load of storage, and you'd connect the the three together or perhaps your reseller or integrator would connect it all together for you that was great worked really well um you know was given some serious momentum by the advent of virtualization we um and that's that's called the is that the traditional model yeah we'd we'd, we'd call that the traditional model or the three-tier architecture probably interchangeably um there was a sort of a, a a next evolution of that which was referred to as converged infrastructure which was when you bought all of those three tiers, either from a single vendor or as an integrated stack. So the idea being that you bought server storage and networking in one, usually one big rack, and it was integrated, delivered, implemented, and supported by one organization. Now that might be that you bought all the components from an individual vendor, HPE, for example, um, or it might be that it was a, a stack that was brought together by a, a vendor, like the VBlock model, which was a coagulation of VMware, Cisco, and EMC. Um, or it might be that it was more of an integrated in the field model, a la FlexPod, where it was VMware or Microsoft, Cisco, a NetApp that was integrated in the field and validated as a design and supported as such. Hyperconverged is the the next iteration in that um, we're delivering all of all of those elements really through software now rather than hardware. So there's an overlap with the software-defined storage or software-defined infrastructure conversation where all of that stuff is consolidated into a single box and the storage resides physically within the individual server and is delivered up as a SAN through software. The networking is managed and and defined is the the word through software. Um, So you end up with a grid-based or a block-based architecture that scales out rather than scales up, which I think is quite an advantage in this cloud-like world in that it gives you an infrastructure that has some of the feel of cloud in that you can scale it out bit by bit rather than having to buy it in big chunks and size it for five years of, uh, of future use, which you don't necessarily know what that looks like. What would you add to that, Tim? So if you think about a traditional architecture, the challenge is you need to be able to see how far you're going to go in order to buy the right frame. You don't have to fully populate it, but you, know, you need to know what frame to buy, particularly from a storage array perspective. The beauty of, of, of hyperconverged is no matter how far you're going to go, you start with the same entry point. So in, a, in an, an infrastructure world, which is increasingly unpredictable, you know, we stopped asking customers, how far do you think you're going to scale? Because the answer is always, well, I don't know. And how could I know? Digital transformation is here, but we don't really know what that means for our infrastructure yet. So not knowing how far you're going to go does not hinder you initially. And it equally, it doesn't increase that initial cost. 
So where does cloud fit into all of this then? Well, I think it, cloud is is really a good fit for lots of workloads. But I think the challenge for infrastructure teams has been that actually, if you needed a certain commercial model or you needed a certain uh, service within a certain period of time, then cloud was the only answer. And I think what Hyperconverge gives you is a uh, model for infrastructure whereby actually from a cost per VM or cost per workload or whatever it is, you can... Um, you can imitate what you can do in, in cloud, but equally in terms of, and probably more importantly, from a speed of response perspective, you can get things done immediately. That traditional three-tier architecture, um, whilst it still has its place, as we'll discuss later, one of the challenges from a design perspective, you need to design the networking, design the storage, design the compute. That goes away. You're buying a node. So you know what that node looks like, and therefore you can you can crack straight on into the kind of services and the delivery. So, uh, so I, think, I guess that leads me quite nicely onto the next question. Uh, we've got Paul, who, um, as we said earlier, is, is uh, Langerock's infrastructure team leader. Paul, you've got some of this stuff in your organisation. So, what's the what has been the benefit of hyperconversion infrastructure to your organisation, or I guess to organisations in general? Our benefits are probably going to be uh, standard across most businesses who who take on hyperconverged. Um, the number one benefit is simplification of infrastructure. It's um, it's infrastructure that just works. You, you literally it's plumbed in. Uh, there is no uh, mass configuration uh, or fine tuning requirements particularly needed for it. Um, and scale is 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 done as needed. So you, in our case, we can start very small. Implementation is easy because we just pick. Um, a particular project and that particular project can fund a small implementation rather than having to go through a whole architecture design to buy a storage and computer networking for that one project. Uh, we could start small and then the next project that comes on will just drop onto that and then we'll just scale one block at a time, one node at a time or multiple nodes at a time as needed. So the the process of traditionally architecting and scaling throughout our, our infrastructure services um, has been greatly simplified. There's um, another benefit on that, which is uh, from a procurement basis, uh, it's a lot easier to have a small incremental growth model than it is to have these uh, three, four, five yearly uh, lift and shift uh, projects when your infrastructure retires. Um, it's much easier to get through commercially. Uh, it's much more appealing to the business to have that small, almost operational cost of uh, project by project or growth by growth as needed rather than buying five years up front um, and hoping we, that we sized it right five years ago because... Um, Which you probably didn't because things change. Absolutely, you couldn't. I mean, in all the information you could have in the world, what you did previously in the last five years is not going to match what you can do in the next five years. It's just too much change, too too rapid. And I think it's fair to say, Paul, that we've seen uh, internally that far greater interest from the commercial team as well as from the leadership team in terms of what those infrastructure tools are now than there was previously which I presume is because of these wins that they've seen in terms of how quickly you're able to deliver or delays that have gone away. Yeah uh, infrastructure agility is uh, a big win in itself um, but to labour the procurement model a bit more um, they quite like the, the simple model of, of commercial. There's With a traditional architecture, you've got lots of different components that all have different uh, end of life, different support cycles, um, maintenance and patching, um, and they all have costs associated with them, um, whether it's internal costs or you have to go out to companies like Softcat to get a PS in to, to patch and maintain environments for you. Um, that very much goes away with, with the hyperconverged model. It's um, particularly, you know, particularly which, which vendor you go to, but the idea is they're software defined. So uh, it's one button does this, one option does this, and, and that's how it runs. There isn't a huge learning curve with them. Um, 
it can be quite generalist in terms of who, who uses it, who consumes it. Um, and as a result, therefore, makes you a lot more agile and your your team is a lot more focused on, on the business services. So you can go to your finance team and say, we, you know, previously you'd say, oh, we need some storage, we need some networking, we need some licenses, we need some compute. Now you can just say to them, there's just this one box. Yeah. That all? Previously, we would have to do a trends analysis over, over the last six months or 12 months and show where we're going to predict we're going to run out of storage on in, in 12 months time so we're getting ahead of the curve to be able to get the uh, purchase orders raised and, and budgeted for um with the with this with this approach we can literally just uh, wait for the project to come on that needs a bit of growth we've always got a little bit of overhead just from spare capacity anyway and the next project that comes along that would take up the growth just pays for an extra bit of expansion it's an easier model to do by far that chargeback showback cost back model is much easier when it's block based grid based scale out little bit by little bit and it means that you can cost things much more easily per project or per vm or show a business a part of the business how much a particular service costs to run we think that that's quite important because if you look at how people think things work in a cloud world you know you've got a very clear cost model and that's not so easy to break down with traditional three-tier architecture it's much easier to deliver that back to the business using hyperconverged. You're quite right. The, the businesses, um, a lot of businesses have seen the, the public cloud cost model and they go, great, I want that. Um, but then when you scan it over sort of three to four or five years, the, the on-premise solution typically uh, beats it in price hands down. Yeah, we always tell people cloud ain't necessarily cheaper, even if all the marketing tells you it is. In some scenarios it can it, be. Uh, but it, it always is for the first couple of got, months. You've got to architect properly you, to, you've got to be cloud native if, if you want it to be cheaper yeah um and that comes with its own set of challenges and costs associated Absolutely. as well the point around showback that's worth making is it's not just that what cloud can do it's also the challenge that not having showback is created so you think traditional three-tier architecture really hard to calculate what the cost of a virtual machine is or a specific service and equally with the advent of virtualization it became far easier to consume so suddenly you've got this big cost and you've got no way of working out what goes where. So any division it's just kind of sees it as free. And when something's seen as free, but suddenly IT is a huge cost, it's really hard to, to kind of get those two things to marry up. Is that fair, Paul? Yeah. So IT is not seen as a, as a as so much of an overhead, more of an, an enabler to the business. So that leads on to the next question then. So how can an organization take advantage of this? Do they rip out all the stuff they currently have uh, in their data center and start again? Or do they? Um, can they use some of the stuff they've already got? How does that work? So, so we don't think that's necessary. I mean, you, you absolutely can do that. So, you know, if you are at the end of the line with your existing infrastructure, it's at the end of maintenance and you need to replace it. Um, if your workloads are in the right scenario, we can certainly help with the sizing for that. You can absolutely replace what you've got with a hyperconverged approach it's not necessary to do that so what we see a lot of organizations do is you know leave what they've got on the existing infrastructure and what goes on to hyperconverged is the expansion workloads you know the stuff that you're prototyping the new projects that you don't know how big they're going to be um, and we think that's a really good place to start and it may be over time that more and more of your workloads gravitate into hyperconverged but this while there's still a place for for the three-tier architecture that that's a really good place to start and i think that's where where, where you've come from isn't it paul yeah we uh we had a a, a small project requirement um we looked into 
into a hyperconversion or to help us spin up a new data center. Um, it was a greenfield site, but however, we didn't have a huge workload in day one. So uh, it was. But you weren't replacing your existing. We weren't. No, we were literally just expanding um, capabilities. The, the long term intention is to replace, um, but from day one, we didn't obviously have the budget to rip and replace a whole data center, which would have been significant cost. So for us, it be able to start with a very small three or four node cluster, um, get up and running, get get the feel for the product, get a feel for for the how it changes how we work with it, um, and then migrate workloads over to it over time, and then just grow that infrastructure up to the point that we need it to be um, right size for a whole data center uh, was was fantastic. It was simple to do. It was um, that, exactly that yeah, simplification of infrastructure. There was uh, minimal effort. It was mostly done by uh, one or two people with some outside assistance. Um, it's not this big traditional uplift of, of infrastructure effort that was required previously with, uh, with our old uh, three-tier stack. I think it's important to start with specific use cases because we spoke about the benefits in terms of being able to start small no matter how far you're going to go. But equally, waiting for those opportunities to refresh your whole infrastructure in one go, given what Paul mentioned around lifecycle management. So waiting for the network and the compute and the storage to all line up and need refreshing at the same time is quite challenging. It's like waiting for Haley's Comet. From a cost perspective, it's hard to get those hyperconverged to stack up unless you've got those three things aligning. So starting with a small use case, which you can then expand out as you need to, is quite an important way of giving yourself options, actually, if nothing else. Let's look at the future then through our crystal ball. Um, what do we expect to see in the future? Ultra-converged infrastructure, everyone in the cloud? So I don't think anyone's invented ultra-converged infrastructure yet, but I'm sure it's going to come at some point. That's clearly going to be the next big thing. Uh, no, I, I mean, I think what we'll probably see is that for a period of time, hyper-converged hyper will be accretive to what's gone before. You know, as we talked about earlier, it's not commonly, not always going to be a rip and replace. There's still a place for traditional three-tier architecture for your stable, your static, your long-term workloads. You're probably not going to change that for the time being you may even continue with that model um when when the re the refresh rolls around i think hyperconverge will be for your project work and your growth um workloads maybe stuff will migrate over time you mentioned the cloud clearly we see more and more people putting some of their workloads in the cloud we think hyperconverge is part of that conversation because it's on-premise infrastructure that feels more cloud-like and the control plane stuff around where you put your workload becomes the really important thing as people use cloud more and more. Yeah, and I think the reason it's important is because we go back to why hyperconverged has been successful. It's about simplicity. And if you end up with a three-tier architecture, a hyperconverged architecture, an AWS deployment, a Google deployment and Azure deployment, then actually that, that simplicity has gone away. So having a control plane that allows you to get visibility of what's where, optimize what's where, understand the costs and therefore make intelligent and consistent decisions as to what infrastructure is, is platformed where I think is going to be really important. So do you think we'll get to a, a scenario where you'll have a single application which has all of your on-premise, all of your stuff that's in Azure, all of your stuff that's in Amazon? I think that's the Nirvana state that we're, we're looking for. I think there's where let's say five years ago the battle was about the hypervisor now the battle is about workload arbitrage you know where where do you put your workload and who's going to be the control point yeah you know, is it cisco controlling it from a network standpoint is it vmware controlling it because they own the virtualization space is it nutanix who are probably the you know the the guys with the momentum in the hyperconverged space you know they've all got to play and it'll be really interesting to see how that squares up yeah i think the uh, the other big thing they'll all come on um uh alongside all that is automation. Um, 
and that's a key thing to be able to automate all the workloads um, between all of those uh, various environments. Um, automation and network um, virtualization, uh, which is a big play. Again, I think we, we said earlier there's there's a number of plans in that space and there's huge developments coming um, almost quarterly these days. So um, when you get all that tied in together, plus you've simplified on-premise on, on infrastructure, um, you've got a really flexible, agile um, platform or series of platforms all converged together. So, yeah, ultra-converged could be the convergence of hyper-converged and public cloud, maybe. That's a really good point. I like I like that scenario. That that makes sense. So ultra-converged is, therefore, the software element that arbitrates as to where your where your workload gets placed based on business logic. Yeah, exactly that. just invented yeah. something new and magnificent. You heard it here first. Cut that out. We'll make money out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get down the patent office now. <laughs> so to summarise? So to summarise all of that, you know, you've got options in infrastructure these days. You know, you you can continue with your three-tier architecture. You can start to integrate some hyperconverged for those flexible, growing, shrinking, moving around workloads. You're clearly going to use the cloud in almost every organization for something at some point. Um, you probably need some help deciding on what the appropriate strategy is for you. You know, we've clearly got quite a bit of experience in working out what's the best platform for these workloads and should hyperconverge be appropriate, helping you to size it and choose the appropriate one. I think there's a future in each of those areas. You know, you will have traditional three tier, you will have hyperconverge, you will have cloud for the foreseeable future. It's a case of deciding which is the best strategy for your organization and for the for a given subset of workloads within your organization. Whatever that decision process is, have that uh, documented to such an extent that you could articulate that to senior business leaders. As an IT organization, make sure that you could explain to, to, uh, to your senior leadership what you put where and why and when, because that's expected. And I think that's part of the cultural change that we've seen since the advent of cloud. And Paul? some advice for people who are in your role looking at, at reviewing hyper-converged infrastructure? Um, the, the the main things will be look at what you're trying to get out from it. Look what your, your use cases are. Um, look where your your wins can be, um, whether that's commercial, whether it's operational. Um, there's clearly there's there's if you use it right, there, there are advantages in all those areas. Um, focus on um, technology stack and try and look forward ahead uh, with regards to um, where your um, time is being spent currently and where you'd like to spend your time in the next 12 to 18 months post-implementation. Excellent. Okay, Sam, Tim and Paul, thank you so much for your time. Uh, listeners, if there's anything in this show that has piqued your interest uh, and if you'd like to find out some more around hyperconverged infrastructure, do make sure you check out the show notes. Uh, we'll put some of the stuff that we talked about today as well as a few ways that you can get in touch with someone at SoftCat. So you've been listening to Explain It from SoftCat. Thanks for listening and goodbye.